0: This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we are up against, together we can beat them.
1: you had one of the most worst mass shootings in american history parkland 17 kids were gunned down lives lost 17 others lives torn asunder you had a, a young girl by the name of jamie gutenberg whose father pleaded with you to do something about it and you know what you did You did the exact opposite you made it easier for felons to get guns without background checks without any training
0: These people pleaded with the parents and the families to get tough on gun safety. And again, you made it easier for felons. It's Ken Harbaugh with Against All Enemies on the Midas Touch Network. Ron DeSantis got absolutely destroyed in his debate with Gavin Newsom. In that clip we just saw, Newsom mentions Jamie Guttenberg, who was murdered in a school shooting in Florida. I just spoke with Jamie's father, Fred, who's become a good friend and a source of unending inspiration. Since his daughter's death, he has been a tireless advocate for gun reform and one of the most effective critics of Governor DeSantis and Donald Trump. Here's our conversation. Fred, we just played that clip of Gavin Newsom destroying Ron DeSantis on on the issue of gun safety. Thank you so much for lighting up your governor. Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, in that tweet, here it is. What has he done since your daughter was murdered in Parkland uh, on Valentine's Day 2018?
1: Listen, DeSantis rode to that office on the backs of the Parkland families. Um, He, during the first campaign, embraced our families, promised us that he would protect the work we did, to pass gun safety in Florida after the shooting, and that he would not be a governor that makes the state more dangerous when it comes to gun violence. But he did. And as we all know, after he won re-election, he went ahead and signed, in the middle of the night, because he didn't want people to pay attention, um, permitless carry. And permitless carry is a very dangerous, deadly thing to do, um, it basically gives people the ability to walk around with weapons, whether or not they have a permit. Um, it allows those who maybe can't pass a background check, who won't go into a store to buy their gun, who have to go get it at a gun show or steal it or whatever, to be able to freely walk around with a weapon, convicted felons, convicted murderers who are no longer in prison, can freely walk around with guns, and the police can't do anything about it until that person commits
0: a crime. That's insane. As a military, is. I, I, I think about, people always make the, the analogy to the military and the fact that you've got 18-year-old kids carrying uh, long rifles in, in the military. Mm-hmm. But the analogy would be, If you let them in without a background check and just handed them a gun without any training, that essentially is what is happening in Florida. It takes.
1: Well, so take the analogy further without any training and without any ongoing controls and supervision, because the military, it's not this our streets. It's a very controlled environment, by the way. If I'm not mistaken, in the military, when those guns are maybe in use for training, I suspect they're not just kind of left around anywhere. They are likely locked up afterwards. Um, so, so no, our streets are not the military. There is a difference. But I guess my current governor um, doesn't want to acknowledge that.
0: It is it is even more controlled than, than you suggest Fred in the military. I remember on more than one occasion when a single weapon was misplaced or unaccounted for the entire unit was recalled. The, every, every officer, every enlisted person was brought back. This happened when I was teaching at the Citadel once the entire university basically was brought back to campus. Uh, in part as, as punishment and as a lesson for how important firearm accountability is, but also to find the damn thing. And the fact that they're just, there 400 million guns on our streets now. And we have no idea uh, who has them. Uh, we'll give them to anybody. They're, they're being handed out like candy um, that I hope people stop making the comparison to the military.
1: Well, and listen, and, and I, I, I was really blown away when, um, Governor Newsom brought up Jamie and 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 mentioned my tweet, but he was right to do so. You know, the reality is Governor DeSantis is pursuing a strategy um, that is not making Floridians safer. And and you know, it's always safe to ask what somebody's motivation is when they do these things. Because when it comes to talking about guns. And gun violence. You're a gun owner, but you stand with me on wanting to reduce gun violence. On one side of the motivation is we want to stop the next one. We want to stop the next act of gun violence. This isn't about gun owners versus non-gun owners. Then there's the other side. What is the motivation of a guy like DeSantis to do something that is knowingly going to cause more gun violence? And unfortunately, it is a purely political motivation. It is it is going after a certain very specific voter that only will vote in a primary, which by the way, he won't win. Okay, he could not even win re-election for governor in the state of Florida right now. Okay, so but that's his motivation. It is to try and lock down that primary voter hoping. That he still has a chance. He doesn't.
0: I'm so glad you brought up the political motivation because looking at DeSantis's behavior and his policies through that lens, everything makes sense. You've even gone after him on his flip-flop on COVID restrictions. I don't want to go too yep. deep into that, but it is like every time a poll comes out that that shows him to the left of Trump on an issue. He reassesses, even if Floridians literally die as a result.
1: In the first year of COVID, and I know this to be fact, because one of my closest friends was at the time running the Department of Emergency Management in Florida. He's now a U.S. Congressman. Um, And he was in charge of the COVID response in Florida. Florida led the nation. He did what he had to do my friend who, read, who led this department. We led the nation. We, we, we had the lockdowns. We had everything in place to ensure that people would, you know, in lower numbers, because people you, it was still very contagious, end up in hospitals or in cemeteries. Florida was out first getting needles in arms. You know, they had a great plan in place. Until, until DeSantis decided it was time to change gears because he decided he was going to run for president and run for this base. And people died as a result. And no Floridian should ever, ever let him off the hook on that. Any of us who live here, we all watched it happen. We all know it happened. And nobody should let him off the hook.
0: There was a time when Governor Santis Gave you hope as a leader. You met him. You knew him, especially in the immediate aftermath of Parkland. How do you yeah. understand the the complete one hundred and eighty he seems?
1: To Listen, be he he did more than give me hope. He blew me away in his first year because he governed like a normal guy. He governed like a moderate. I didn't approve of everything he did, but I approved of a lot of things he did. He governed like somebody. In a purple state. Um, But the pivot, I'll never forgive. And I I can't, listen, the only thing that makes sense of the pivot and why he changed his approach, why he became so hurtful to so many, um, is he made a decision after that first year to run for president. And he knew he needed to win in a Republican primary that was now dominated by Trump voters. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's been devastating for our state because while he has pursued this red meat-based strategy, he's neglected parts of this state that actually matter to those of us who live here. The homeowner's insurance crisis it happened on his watch. No, never, ever, ever, ever forget a couple of years ago when there was a special session called to deal with it, to deal with the homeowner's insurance crisis before it exploded in everybody's face. They chose to ignore him. Once everybody came into Tallahassee and he instead pursued Don't Say Gay and he started his fight with Disney. That was the week That was the special session that was supposed to be about homeowners insurance, and they didn't do it. And it all blew up. And this is now a state that people can't get insurance in, that you have all these people who own homes that are at risk of storms or other things that may well find when their homes are destroyed, they don't have insurance. You watch our state go outside the norm of other states when it comes to the rising cost of living here. I mean, rental costs in Florida are now like New York City. It's crazy. And it's and all for, on Santos's
0: watch. And for what? He's behind, I think, by 40 points in his own state. He's going to finish third at best in the, in the opening caucus and primary states. He has humiliated himself at the... His political
1: career is over. It's over. I mean, he's done. He, you know, he, you know, he's terminated out as governor. If he had to run again, he would lose. Um, what he's also done is make Florida, which looked lost to Democrats, not look so lost anymore.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, Nikki can can turn it around there. the The irony to me is that he followed in Trump's wake. He is. Such a, a sycophant when it comes to Trump policies, but trying to set himself apart. And I think what he and his strategist didn't appreciate was that you can't compete with a cult leader for the cult leader's followers. That's what he tried. Is to that do.
1: Especially if you're going after the cult leader for votes, but you're not willing to go after the cult leader. Right. OK, um, and he's not. Listen, Ever since, never forget his very first commercial in the first campaign with his family acting like uh, with those building blocks, building Trump's wall. Okay. He's always been that weird guy, whether he's putting on his big boy boots or something else. He's always been that weird guy. I, I, and, and Newsom, you know, referenced my tweet last night, but I think those three words sum him up. He is weird small and weak okay that's who he is you can add in pathetic but that's who he is um and floridians now know
0: thanks for listening everyone i've got a quick break here but i need a favor first shows like this depend on your support please if you can spare five seconds click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review it really does help thanks I think we both agree DeSantis is done, but the yeah. issue that Governor Newsom highlighted that you amplified around gun safety and Republican governors total abdication of, of, uh, any kind of moral response. I live in Ohio, Mike DeWine, yeah. after the Dayton massacre said he would do something, he did the same thing. Governor DeSantis yeah. did permitless carry is now a thing here. It makes everyone less safe. But this issue is going to carry into the 2024 election, even if DeSantis is left in the dust. And I think Trump, as the torchbearer for the Republican Party, checks all the same boxes that DeSantis does. He seemed to be sympathetic after the murder of your daughter. He met with survivors, if I'm not mistaken, that we had to have a cue card that said, I hear you on it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah. How how do you think this is going to play out with with Trump really setting the tone for the Republican party well you
1: listen you mentioned you live in ohio ohio at the moment gives me hope okay i think in your last election you saw real voters who have sat out far too many elections saying we're done sitting out elections and showing up and voting and A very unexpected result happened in the last Ohio election. And I I will tell you that while the idea of the woman's right to choose was seen as the, the motivation for all of that, I think it was bigger than that. I think it was the whole notion of freedom. I think people came out and are voting for freedom. Freedom to choose, freedom from gun violence, freedom to vote, freedom to say we want democracy to survive, I think Ohio was about a lot more than just choice. And to answer your question about what I think is going to happen, because it's inevitable, this is going to be a Trump-Biden campaign. And, you know, people on either side may say, oh, I can't believe we're going to have to go through the same campaign again. We are it is what it is and it's really simple at the end of this campaign the closing argument while i am a believer that joe biden has a, a an incredible record that justifies his reelection and justifies him having the right to run for reelection and that i am certain will help play a role when he crushes trump in reelection I think the closing argument is simple. This country can survive four more years with Biden. It can't survive four more years with Trump.
0: I think that's right. And I think the Republican Party writ large has actually come to terms with that and decided that democracy, the the sacrifice of democracy is worth the pursuit of power, which is absolutely mind boggling to me. And vis-a-vis Ohio, you're right, Ohioans came out in droves to send a message loud and clear to the Republican legislature that they wanted to protect democracy, they wanted to protect their freedoms, and you know what the Republican-dominated legislature has decided to do? Ignore them. It is pulling out every trick in the book to make sure it controls the implementation of that that ballot measure, and I hope, I hope we can stay as angry as we were a few months ago going into
1: 2024. Listen, I'm very connected to many of the Republicans, some of whom even served at some point in the Trump administration, or many of whom were Republicans who I might have argued with in another day, but who have left the party who want a functional Republican party, who agree with me that democracy requires a functional two-party system, But they believe, and I'm with them, the only way to go back to a functional two-party system is to annihilate this version of the Republican Party in the 24 election. And I think that's going to happen. And so to those who, for example, in the Ohio legislature, who are choosing to continue to ignore what voters clearly said, you'll be fired. That's it. You will get fired.
0: Well, let's end on that note, Fred. Thank you so much for the uh, the conversation on very short notice. Uh, really appreciate everything you're doing.
1: Thank you, Ken. Take care.